Welcome back into the live stream today. We're gonna to be diving into Solana, Solind, and much of what has been happening over the past few days about a DAO and how Solana is being looked at as maybe or maybe not decentralized. All that is what we're gonna dive in today. My name is Paul Barron. Welcome back into TechPath. Thanks again, guys, for uh, tuning in. We love to do these live streams. We are trying to uh, get a few of these out a little bit more frequent, obviously with the market conditions as they are. Uh, a lot more is happening, so you know we are trying to get those out there. Uh, again, just remember, guys, I don't design the uh, thumb thumbnails, so uh, we get some overzealous uh, graphic teams, and sometimes they will try to get the views. But uh, the main thing is is that the topic is on point, and it is an issue that uh, needs to be addressed, and I think talked about from an aspect of Solana, whether you're an investor in Solana. Or if you're looking at Solana as maybe an altcoin that you want to look at for, uh, you know, a future potential. Um, full disclosure, I've purchased, sold, purchased, sold uh, Solana many times uh, and still hold some. So it is a, a project that I do like, um, you know, with, of course, it, it having its own issues that many people, of course, talk about and um, describe often. Let's get into some of the details here. Just to go into the mainnet cluster here, you can kind of see one of the key things here, and this is over the past three months. The red blocks uh, basically uh, signify if there's been some downtime. Uh, and as you can see, it's it's in pretty good shape. We haven't seen massive scenarios there, 99.62, 99.25, and 99.12. Uh, it is something that I think we'll continue to see more often is uh, Solana getting a little bit more stress. Another thing is, is that their uh, timestamps, I was looking at their timestamps, just even an example, here's, um, here's a list of their speed of transactions. So uh, look, 2404 in terms of milliseconds right here, pretty fantastic, but it doesn't seem to hold a candle to what is showing up here now on Twitter. And this one, of course, showing a less than a second uh, speed zone. So this to me is pretty significant. Brian, of course, tweeted this out, BFD alert, tracking Solana uh, transaction confirmation times on validators app and to see a sub-second confirmation uh, with the 1.10, this is the update, uh, is pretty significant. And again, that this is one of the strengths that Solana is really all about, is speed of transactions. And when you look at Solana as an overarching blockchain, there are a lot of benefits to what the idea and the concept is. Remember, Solana still being a beta project. Uh, so it is something that we'll continue to see more and more of. Uh, their network um, analytics still looking very strong. You can kind of see just upward movements right here on transactions. You go down in here, you take a look at action on daily new NFTs. Really good client. Um, this is uh, very significant when you think about this at a time right now when uh, NFTs and of course Ethereum uh, struggling just a bit. So that's kind of the good news for where it is going. Also fantastic report, this right here, which breaks down a couple of charts here. I'll show both of them to you. Uh, this is the full-time devs uh, ecosystems with 50 full-time devs. We showed this before. You've got Solana and Near Protocol out here. Uh, and then of course, if you close this one, you can kind of take a look right here they really kind of, uh, outside Ethereum and Polkadot, Solana is pretty much by far, hands down, one of the leaders out there in terms of monthly developers since their launch. And that shows just overall growth. Polkadot, of course, you've got the parachains that kind of seed that. 
And with ETH, you've got just history and legacy uh, built into this. So I think for Solana being such a young uh, chain and also overall with its acceleration, um, man, they've really done a, a really good job in terms of bringing in uh, dev teams. And that is one thing that uh, continues to be a very significant uh, scenario with how Solana could be one of the blockchains to stick around for quite some time. This is a story right here, PlayStation and Google vets to co-create new franchises via the Solana DAO. Again, this is more good news, I think, overall uh, on use cases for Solana and what it might mean you know, down the road for Solana in terms of success, because this is a, a factor that we'll continue to see, as I've talked about many times with Solana, is that it is going to take time for them to essentially evolve. Now, one thing that has occurred is that there is some issues within the DAO and also within the decentralized nature of Solana that could affect it in terms of um, not only security, but also its future in how it might look uh, down the road, especially from an aspect of whether or not we see some pretty major whale positions get liquidated. I want to jump also over here to, I'm going to jump to their, uh, to the Solend uh, website here. And one thing I've, I've noticed that uh, starts to kind of worry me a little bit is if you start to look at the players here, and as you'll notice here, there's a lot of traditional people that you uh, most likely recognize, uh, and you see more and more. There's Alameda Research. Remember, Alameda Research is, just did a deal with um, Voyager for $500 million for support with, along with some uh, other Bitcoin. But you've got a lot of companies in here that um, it feels a little incestuous. I mean, I just feel like the, that we're dealing with a house of cards in some places. Not that Solind is a house of cards, but the point is there's a lot of these intermingling asset pools that really range across the entire industry and are in some cases exposed to other aspect of the industry. And this is something we've seen with things like Celsius. And then of course, um, with even with Voyager with their most recent 500 million, they just announced this last on Friday, uh, which I was a little surprised they tweeted that out. Also, uh, so the scenario that happened is this, is that there is a whale wallet essentially that has the risk of being liquidated at around the $22 mark. And it is something that the Dow is concerned with. So over the weekend, there was a, a proposition that was made uh, by the Dow that says, maybe we should do a takeover of this wallet and help reduce its position. Now that alone, in the sense that a Dow could do that, uh, obviously indicates that this is not a decentralized nature. And when you look at some of the things that they're trying to do here for mitigating risk, this was their Solend 1 uh, risk mitigation proposal. And you can kind of see here, as you may know, the largest user on Solend, there's the, the address, uh, has an extremely large margin position that is putting Solend protocol and its users at risk. Here's the details about the user at time of writing, around 5.7 million Solana deposit, 170 million total value, 108 million USDC and USDT borrowed, 25% uh, of total value. Uh, locked in this, 95% of sold deposits on the main pool, 88% in USDC borrows. So you can kind of see the liquidation price here at 22.30, and it's the one that uh, really kind of alarmed them and kind of set the flares off. Um, now they did go in and try to 
uh, do some things. So they've attempted to get in touch with the whale. They sent a whale on chain message. Uh, they did a USDC USD borrow rates that automatically adjusted to their max APY of 60%. Uh, they've been in contact with the market makers to explore other options. So they are concerned that this was potentially going to roll into it. Now, when you get into the, the voting, this was, of course, the voters. You'll notice here the weight right here of this particular wallet pretty much controls the scenario. And this particular was a yay on this vote. Same wallet, though, when they came back in and reassessed. And I, I don't know why that necessarily happened, but you can kind of speculate that there was online and most likely social media pushback that really caused a lot of this. But if you look at their second vote, same kind of scenario on it. And let me see if I can pull up to it. Let's go. This is the change in the, in the uh, scenario. So they want to invalidate the last proposal and increase the go governance and, and voting time to one day. And then this was the result right here. And again, this one was now no uh, or yes. to So he basically voted his previous vote to the negative. So and yes, I'm in favor and says now, yay, I'm in favor to remove that particular proposal. So this in itself, so the, the issue was, is that the whale takeover was being discussed quite a bit. There was a lot of pushback on Twitter. Uh, obviously, the liquidation point was the trigger of all of this with insulin. And then the whale, one of the key whales here in reference to controlling the validators was for it and then reversed their opinion and now was against it. So whether that's a near miss or whether that was maybe a little pushback from the market or people concerned about this whole decentralized, centralized component of where Solana is leaning, that I think is, is the bigger question here. And I guess when I look at situations like this occurring, in, especially in major blockchains, layer ones like Solana, is that it feels a little bit um, kind of the inmates running the asylum kind of scenario. I just feel like with what we've seen with Solana's track record, this issue right here with Solend, uh, and a continued pressure within the market, the likelihood is we could see a little bit of a challenge here with Solana. Now, we haven't seen any indicators outside of what the market indicators have been doing over the past 10 days, which have been pretty much very erratic. We obviously have been tracking um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, Avalanche, and a handful of others that really kind of guide that layer one solution or uh, solution layer. And we haven't seen massive falloffs outside of that. I will show you guys some sentiment data to give you kind of an update on this. Remember, these are market movers. We pull together our data, uh, a little bit of our own news analysis, and then uh, we break all this down for you guys, hopefully where it's digestible. But the key here is it's hopefully gonna get you going in the right direction, not financial advice. It is hopefully some research that'll get you going. Now, for new people that are looking at, uh, maybe you just arrived in crypto in the last three or four months, Maybe you're, because uh, this is kind of talking to people who are much more astute in where and how these things work from a DAO governance position. It simply is this, for a decentralized um, platform like Solana, the idea is, is that um, it's not controlled by one singular entity. Hence, it can't be brought down like many other financial institutions, many other financial instruments that we've seen uh, also run into this. And when you have a scenario like this that occurs with such a major area with the lending protocol, and this is something I'm very concerned about in DeFi right now, is how lending is really going to be looked at in the next few years. 
um, and Solend, of course, being the major lending platform within uh, Solana. When you have these uh, situations that start to run a rumble and you get a little bit of um, you know, tension within the ranks, you always have to look at how this is going to perform over time and could this, because remember, you don't have someone that is the face of, you know, if you think about that from a decentralized standpoint, it's not like, hey, we're going to go to the CEO or to, you know, the management team or the lead investors, things of that nature, outside of what you see within these wallets that are and hold a large amount of the validator uh, positions. So anytime you have that within a big project, especially like Solana, it starts to just create those questions uh, and those, you know, short amounts of doubt around the overall protocol itself, which I think is why they ended up um, basically overturning the proposal of taking over, doing a whale takeover, uh, wallet takeover for that whale. So, uh, which I think was a good move in the sense that um, it has to be there for sure. Here's a story that kind of, you know, talks more into what I'm getting at around lending. Uh, and why this is a very uh, concerned thing. Even though uh, this particular analyst says crypto lending can still survive the bear market, there's some things within here he talks about. Um, this is the guy right here, uh, analyst crypto call wallet from Treasure. Crypto firms run their business on fractional reserve basis, are exposed to greater risk during bear markets. And fractional reserve is the same thing that, let me kind of zoom up on that a little bit for you guys. Fractional reserve, and this is something that you should know and learn. Let me highlight it for you. This is very, very important. A fractional reserve banking, in traditional banking, it's a system where basically you, you, you put 10 bucks in a bank and the actual cash that's in that bank is not 10 bucks. What they've done is they've gone out and loaned that $10 to a variety of different entities, some high risk, some low risk, in other use cases. That's fractional reserve banking. And essentially, that's what's been happening in the DeFi space. The problem is, is that so much of the DeFi space is a little bit wild west. Uh, high yields, risk levels are high. And the problem that we continue to see is the companies and people that are going into these and doing these kinds of transactions, in many cases, uh, either one are not heavily sophisticated. And if they are, maybe they'll just get the gambling bug and they end up gambling too much. And that's the concern that uh, many people have in where uh, DeFi is, is uh, really kind of going. But he does go on here, so if you throw in leverage, trading with borrowed funds, losses are often much more painful, especially with sudden price moves. Uh, but he thinks that the concept is still very solid and that with the right kinds of companies and the right kinds of entities that survive this particular uh, bear cycle, we could see some really good products come out. And this is something I talk about here on the show quite a bit, and that is that this particular bear run, um, bear cycle, uh, reminds me a lot of you know, the era in 1999, uh, 2000, when we saw the dot bomb occur. A lot of companies will disappear. It just will be the way it is. Anytime you have an emerging technology, a lot of companies are racing for that golden ring. They're really trying to get there and in many cases, either one, they just run out of cash. Two, the idea maybe just isn't as solid as what they thought it might be. That Could that be Solana? Um, that will prove out over time. And then three is that they're dealing with a scenario of market compression. And what I mean by that, 
is much like what we're seeing right now within a lot of these different platforms is that these investors that have come into these markets, including if you look back at the investors that went into Luna and uh, Do Kwan's operations, there's a lot of them really got hurt on this. Big investors that are traditional, been around for a long time, making money moves, and have also seen stuff go to zero many, many times before. So some of it they've been aware of, but I think as we start to see more pressure on the market, that compression of venture capital and excess liquidity from an investment side will start to run dry. That is the other aspect that really starts to cut off circulation to a lot of these projects that are out there. So what I, my recommendation is to you guys is this. You want to be in the right kind of projects. Now, there's a handful of even the right kind of projects, another Titan, more of these mainstream projects that will still not make it. But the likelihood, percentage-wise, is much lower than that of maybe a project that is running on the skirts a little bit, a little too far to the edge. So you have to think about that when you're doing any kind of investing. And remember, this is something you know a friend of mine talks about all the time. Never in, in volatile markets, never put in more than you can afford to lose, as if it went to zero. That is something that you have to, because that will get you and your head around it. Now, sure, there's people out there that risk a lot more. But I hope that you guys are not in these markets risking everything. You should not be. That is just irresponsibility uh, in investing strategy, in, really in any part of life. Uh, it's irresponsible. So just be thinking about that um, and always just assume that every project has challenges. And much like Solana is running into challenges day in, day out with you know, outages and you know, exploits, et cetera, and they will because they're just going at breakneck speeds, literally uh, doing that in terms of overall. I wanted to take a look at the Selen chart uh, just quickly. Here's kind of their seven-day, a little bit of a pressure on this project. Again, though, we, this is during the time in which we saw Bitcoin go from around almost 21000 down to seventeen five over the weekend. So there's a lot of pain here in the sense of what, Solind is being pressured, and Solana's price is no different uh, in that in that aspect. Decentralized decentralization proves to be an illusion, uh, and this is uh, central banks um, arguing for more centralized in DeFi uh, lending. I'll get to a, to a topic on this because there's some stuff in here that's a little bit dystopian. Um, sure, cryptocurrency lender platforms where borrowers can deposit crypto assets. Uh, can secure loan from lenders are critical to the DeFi space, according to institutions. Yes, we all we all understand that. But the one focus that they're really kind of really honing in on here is to facilitate speculation in crypto assets rather than using it for real economy lending. And what do they mean by that? Is this is that this kind of lending is facilitating speculation only in terms of investment? It's not really lending in the traditional format where you're lending to a company that's facilitating real economy hits, meaning it's hiring people, engineers, buying companies, buying other assets that drive up marketplaces. All those kind of things are completely outside the realm of what's happening uh, here within uh, DeFi. Smart contracts assign each collateral type a haircut or a margin, a margin that determines the minimum collateral borrowers must pledge to receive a loan or give an amount. It really feels like, and they kind of focused on this, is this is structured gambling. And obviously they say here as DeFi uh, dispersed into crypto assets here by crypto wallets, 
uh, they do not currently finance real economy activities. And this is back to the point. Um, the other thing is, is due to anonymity of borrowers, uh, it's very per- pervasive in DeFi lending uh, as well. So the reliance on collateral also limits across credit and borrowers are already asset rich, uh, negating any kind of uh, financial inclusion benefits. Simply again, this reports that it's really easy to do this. So a lot of people are getting into it and it may have run its cycle. Now there's arguments for both that there are companies that are going to make it through and become some of the biggest DeFi and new banks that we'll see in the future. I kind of believe that that is real. The concern I have is how traditional finance may be getting into our pockets somewhat sooner sooner than we had anticipated. There's a few tweets I want to show you that kind of uh, talks about this just a little bit. Before we get into that, I want to show you uh, the recent initial token allocation. This one is coming from May 9th. Uh, we did one last year or earlier this year. Uh, Masari puts these out occasionally. And you can kind of see the, the and what, what this chart means for people new to crypto is how, much, how many people own that token via the public sale community allocation versus the insiders and the foundations. Insiders and foundations are more of a concern because it does mean that a token could get crashed if somebody decides to dump on the market or if we run into a particular challenge within that particular um, blockchain. If you look at Solana, we're sitting here in a pretty exposed position uh, where community allocations, sure, there's a good amount, but 48% right now on insiders and then 13% on um, foundations and more. That's a very significant amount. And then, of course, a very small sliver there on public sale. Uh, so if you look at a lot of these, and you want public sale as, as really kind of being and or community, community allocations, but if you look at the ones that are easy to pick, of course, Ethereum, Cardano, Tezos, Cosmos, um, those all look really solid if, on the face of things in terms of decentralization. So it's something to be thinking about as you start to get into some of these projects is always understanding token allocation. That's where it gets into token metrics. Um, we don't do a lot of tokenomics here on our show because it's all available out there and there's many channels that do a really good job. I would suggest to, if you want to learn about tokenomics, there's a really good channel out there uh, called Investor Answers with James. He does a good job on breaking these down. Now, he's a big Solana fan and uh, he understands kind of the evolution of where Solana is going, again, as a blockchain and as its fundamentals of what it can be uh, in the future. But again, still, I'm a little bit uh, concerned. Is Solana decentralizing more? Here's what the future holds for the Ethereum killer. And this, again, goes back to the point of them attempting to really kind of uh, move into a more decentralized position. It's an open network. Anyone can start building on it. That will help them. Uh, we are giving people the opportunities to get access to venture funds, you know, knowledge from engineering, et cetera. They are trying to get there. And if you look at um, what they say f- further on in here is multiple teams with probably like few pro- projects to about 5,000 within the year. This again, once you have that kind of growth in terms of development, one, you're going to roll into a scenario where the beta starts to become outdated and it becomes real because you've got so many people working on the project. And I think that is something that uh, will continue to be the case. It's kind of like Cardano. Cardano is highly decentralized, 
Sometimes I look at that and I almost feel like Cardano should be like a university project because they go, it's a very slow pace, but at the same time, it's really important work for what they're trying to do. But it feels more like just an academic, you know, scenario, even though I invest in and out of Cardano all the time because I'm, you know, I'll swing trade it often. But Solana, on the other hand, does have the future to be able to go. Um, if you look here on this tweet, Realms doubt, and again, this is why I think it makes it really interesting for Solana because they just make it so easy. But now, uh, Mango Markets crew has made it even simpler to create a DAO on Solana. You can now create a DAO in less than five minutes, but it doesn't mean you should. Uh, but you can kind of see. I mean, it's a very um, it's a very slick interface, and I think you'll only get more and more, you know, projects and technology movement within Solana because of of what that might look like in the future and how it's going to go. If you look over here to what Simon uh, Dixon talks about, and this is kind of the thing that I'm a little bit scared of, and this is it. Smell a rat right now in the leverage boom and, and the deleverage crash. It ends up with banks buying up crypto companies, stripping them of their assets before CBDC rollout. And he's saying, don't get him wrong, uh, the crypto sector, is, it's messed up doing all the things he teaches investors to avoid. But... He's following the money. So again, this goes back to my theory on DeFi is that we're going to see a lot of skeletons on the road. The question is, and we've talked about this on the show before, how many traditional banks come in and scoop those up in a time in which, because remember, a lot of these guys, these banks are hiring. Wall Street are hiring a lot of these people that get jettisoned out of the Web3 and exchange ecosystem, which are hemorrhaging people left and right. Do we and are we feeding in traditional finance and giving them and serving up, you know, our sacrificial cows, so to speak, into what they could be looking like in the future. There is some very intriguing scenarios painting in it. Now, Solana, could it be one of those? It's one that is just really um, kind of on the, on the fence in terms of, of what I believe. Again, Solana, a little bit more of a position I might hold midterm. To look at our, our CPI data real quickly, and then we'll take some questions. Uh, make sure and put some questions over in on the side. We'll try. We'll definitely want to get to as many as we can on that. And let's jump to a poll real quick because there's a lot happening here on the poll for sure. All right. Are you worried about Solana after the news? Yes, maybe doomed. 52%, no big deal on 48. So again, this gets back to that division that we've seen around Solana a lot, mainly because of its history around its instability. And I think instability, then you add in this whole scenario with Solend, uh, where there's risk with this in terms of leverage, that really starts to, to play into, I think, especially under the conditions that we've seen, and obviously with uh, Luna and Celsius being uh, in this uh, particular case. Also, don't forget, guys, we are going to do uh, a Bitcoin update at our three o'clock live stream. So make sure and uh, put it on your, uh, your watch list. We're going to get to it. But let me jump over to... Uh, sentiment real quick. This is and was reported last week. As you guys know, we started calling this slide early on around the 8th of uh, June. Uh, and that was when we saw the market just literally just light up downward. Uh, Solana followed it pretty heavily. It did stabilize on top line sentiment. But here's what concerns me here with Solana is even though we're getting top line sentiment stabilizing right now, and if you look at pricing somewhat stabilized right here. If you look at this last uh, 10 days or so, this is on the four hour, yeah. And even if you look at the low here, 
let's grab it right there and up to where it's trading right now. It still is a, about a 32% move over that seven day period. That would have been a great trade to catch that one. Um, again, after this slide right here of almost 66% down really from June 6th. And that is the scenario that we keep talking about when we look at grabbing these, because right here is our June 6th date. Um, and seeing these slides downward, a little bit of the sideways action. So again, top line is causing a little bit of money flow into Solana, but I am a little bit concerned still with declining amplification. Amplification, again, is a forward-leaning indicator that looks to um, kind of like a recommendation engine. It's a way that people are saying, hey, I'm, hold, I'm holding, uh, I'm recommending Solana, those kind of scenarios that get trapped in our, um, basically the data sets that we grab from our social media layers to determine these numbers. Uh, but right now, holding in a little bit down, 56.18 to 56.01, still in this market, under 60, everything has been bleeding, and under 60 is a pretty um, bad score in general, but it is in a very unusual state right now, being the market overall. Lots happening there. Let's jump over to some questions. Try to get into more of these. Okay, uh, Tom's Diner. Uh, I see more news like this. I'm slowly becoming a Bitcoin maxi. One, one coin to rule them all. You know, there's a theory out there. I know Pomp does this a lot, is that within every cycle, they pick up more Bitcoin maxis because of the fact that they've either had problems in some sort of alternate deal. They've had a, you know, a big exchange issue occur. They, didn't, they weren't doing self-custody. All those kind of things uh, kind of roll into it. I think this particular cycle are converting a lot of people into Bitcoin in a big way for sure. Um, any thoughts on DOT? DOT is still a, uh, a very favored a project, at least within our own CryptoPit research team and myself, I still like it. I still hold it. Uh, if you're not staking DOT, um, I mean, if you if you trust exchanges and you want to put stuff on exchanges, Voyager is still paying a large percentage. Um, and if you do want to park things like that, which are if, depending on your risk level and also your amount, because um, I'm still um, really advocating to get as much I know you guys don't want to hear me say this, but as much off exchanges as you can uh, and into self-custody. And that is going to be a hardware wallet or even if you're using some cloud wallets. Um, just be very cautious with your cloud wallets. I'm more of a hardware wallet guy. All right, Dickie Mo, from what I'm hearing, it's difficult to argue against regulating the crypto space. I think we'll see regulation on stable coins first. And when we see the stable coin, especially USDC, get regulated, it's going to be that gateway drug into the market, and it will open up the awareness of also Capitol Hill that I think will start to rotate in. We're going to see this happening. I'm still looking at midterms. Remember, this is November Q4 of seeing some slight market moves. And remember, this is going to be kind of up and downs, I anticipate, over the summer. Eddie, um, this way to the top. Solind is attempting to protect most users and people are complaining. Uh, this is when you want a central emergency efforts to step in uh, in the predatory behavior of, of a whale. Is it? Well, that's the scenario we, we showed is that you had basically one whale controlling most of the voting power within it. So it really isn't a vote anyway. I mean, if you think about it. So I understand decentralization, but Solend is the one that let this happen. So you can't really, you know, blame the market for going there. It's, you know, it's 
Let them manipulate and they will. Uh, Kevy, let's see here. Solana has so many NFTs on it. Uh, do you think Magic Eden is just going to disappear? Solana is not going anywhere. Again, I don't think it is one of those that it's going to go to zero for sure. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is, it's a project that completely blasts off out of here. There's always these, these concerns and these uh, issues that you are facing with any kind of beta project because you can't ever assume that a beta project can't go to zero. You should be looking at it that way. V Hunt, exactly. Lots of projects won't survive this, uh, this lending borrow crypto right now is not good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Michael, this action by Solana has done nothing push the price up since it's happened. I think overall, the um, people that are buying Solana, I'd be interesting to look at the, the on-chain data to see how many new wallets are being formed on Solana versus uh, existing wallets buying in. Because that is really kind of everybody drinking the Kool-Aid. Will Celsius be okay? Big question mark there, birds, bees. Um, I think a lot of people, there's been many proposals. We have seen a few rumblings out of there you probably saw their AMA last week. wasn't an AMA. It was really just a statement and very short and sweet. Um, and my understanding is I don't even think they're going to do that this week. So there are a lot of questions on um, what's happening with Celsius. It's just still too early to, to tell. Am I hopeful? Yes, I'm hopeful that something gets done. Am I uh, expecting Anytime soon? No, I've, I think this is going to be quite some time to get this completely sorted out. Uh, da, da, da. I think Tron is, uh, it's challenged. Uh, it, this is one that's challenged. Thoughts on Near and Phantom to re replace Solana in your portfolio? I already have Near and I sold all my Phantom, but I do have Near Protocol and I like it uh, for sure. Uh, Don, just uh, ADA is decentralized. Well, as we just showed, there's a lot of decentralized capability there. And ADA is, I said, you know, it's got so much decentralization uh, that it moves very slowly through peer review, all the approaches that Charles has kind of touted for quite some time. Solana's backed by FTX, not going to happen. Um, yeah. You know, there's some interesting things happening at FTX um, for sure. Not Solana, no. Is Solana a, a long-term bag for me? It depends on what you call a long-term bag. It's in my, um, I've moved it into my three-year bag, so it'll make it into this next cycle. I may hold it out, but I still have to see Solana do some things from a technological standpoint. Uh, Achievement-wise, they're doing a lot of great things, but they're also breaking a lot of great things. Now, in Silicon Valley, People would look at that and say, that's great. But in crypto, it's not as uh, attractive. Uh, Solana holding up really uh, well through these times. Again, I think it is because we've, we've started to see a little bit of market correction. Uh, Bitcoin obviously corrected big time from 17 to 20. So that in itself starts to bring up a lot of these other uh, projects. At least people got their rewards on. <laughs> they can't withdraw them. Uh, is Solana issue a DAO issue? Um, is this a Solana issue or a DAO? Well, when you have this much uh, being controlled by a DAO, then it's a Solana issue. If you have DAOs that become this powerful, then you have to address those. So it is something that uh, continues on. And again, too, it, it starts on the validator point, which is still a Solana issue. What does Solana have to do for you to consider investing more in there? Uh, get past beta. Pretty simple. 
sold 90% yesterday, uh, good. Uh, you probably made some money then if you did that. If you're in uh, play to earn, uh, you can't ignore Solana for sure. Uh, but there are others that could play into this. And I still believe that we are yet to see the real winners. There could be projects that get launched during this cycle, this bear cycle, when a lot of innovation is being done. Because remember, a lot of times developers are heads down, and this is typically where these, uh, these younglings are born. Think of it that way. If you look at the uh, ones that were born in 2017, many of them, who are they? It's the ones we're talking about right now. What if the whale uh, is Sam Bankman free? That, my friend Nico, has been a consideration we have discussed. Uh, Luke, if all these stats look so good, why is it at risk? Well, it's not that it looks good. What I'm saying is that you have two sides of the coin. You have a pretty major issue that occurred on the Dow proposal. You have to address that that was a major issue. But you have all these other things that really support the long-term effect of Solana. But if we can't stabilize and we see mass liquidations, it will obviously affect the price that would flood the market with Solana, drive the price down, potentially uh, run into major problems. Uh, Joe Lopez, Ada is still a big one. XRP, always, you guys are always in the chat, that's for sure. XRP and Ada are never far from the sidebar. All right, you guys are tuned in over on the podcast right now. Make sure and jump in over here to our YouTube channel. This is where we do a lot of the analysis, like we just broke down uh, some of our CPI sentiment data on Solana. And we do that right here on the YouTube channel. So just search Paul Barron Network. You'll find us. It's very simple. And of course, subscribe. Like a couple of videos. That really helps the algorithms and also helps you on your own recommendation and to getting your education on for understanding more and more about blockchain in the future. If you guys want to reach me, it's out on Twitter at Paul Barron. I'll catch you next time right here on TechBath.